0: Welcome back, everybody, to The Luke Beasley Show. It's so great to be with you on this Thursday. We have such a show ahead of us. Just get ready for it. You're not prepared. Um, buckle up. I'll be joined by Jesiah from the Pondering Politics YouTube channel in just a moment. But first, I have for you this. We begin today with a huge, exciting, some may say gargantuous, announcement. Um, I've been very pumped about sharing with all of you and a trailer to show you. It gives you a sense of what we're talking about. The context is before playing the trailer, as many of you know, many of you found my content because of this, the most popular, interesting to a lot of people type of content that I do on a regular basis is going to Trump rallies, interviewing Trump supporters, and just seeing what happens. The concept of a progressive political commentator, having those types of engagements in that setting uh, with Trump supporters fascinates, understandably, a lot of people. And some wild stuff, as you all know, has come of it. And so I was thinking, how do I take that take the essence of of that that people find intriguing and place it in some other setting, some other environment and see what comes of that is exactly what we did. It's called mochas with Maga. Um, what I hope to become a series. We'll talk more about that after playing the trailer, but it's episode one that's ready that will be getting released next Thursday, September 21st at 6 PM Eastern time. And it is me sitting down in sort of a docu series type format. Uh, for interviews, conversations, debates with Trump supporters. Here's the trailer, then we'll discuss further. I've interviewed a lot of Trump supporters in a lot of places, as I'm sure you're aware, but I wanted to figure out how to do something different, something unique. Take that same type of conversation, but put it in a different setting. So I decided, why not sit down for coffee with Trump supporters? This is Mochas with Mecca. Your concept of warfare is wrong and anachronistic. How does that relate to Ukraine being invaded and their citizens slaughtered Uh, by Russian soldiers?
1: I never look at the other viewpoint because I want reinforcement of my viewpoint. We all want that reinforcement. I want to know if somebody's coming across the border to cut my grass or cut my throat. So why do I have the right to say all? And
0: you do. And people can get upset with you for it.
1: I don't have the right to, to rob you of that
2: any more than you have the right to rob me of that.
0: There it is. Next Thursday, September 21st at 6 p.m. Eastern Time is when it'll be dropped like a rock on the YouTube channel. Exactly like any other video, but so much more. But that's where you'll find it on the YouTube channel uploaded 6 p.m. Eastern Time, September 21st next Thursday. So if this is something you're excited about, as you can tell just watching that trailer, it takes so much more. Uh, resources and manpower to get the Trump supporters there and the crew to make it look right, I couldn't do that by myself. Um, and the restaurant and just all that to come together takes a lot more than my normal daily show routine. And so for it to be something that we can repeat and can create multiple episodes of, it'll take your support. Meaning, again, if it's something you're excited about, mark it on your calendar, 6 p.m. Eastern time on a Thursday right when it gets uploaded, if you can go click on it, like it, comment, share it around, and make sure you watch the entire thing. Watch time is important to YouTube to show the algorithm. It's something people are engaging with more than just the first few seconds. Again, share it to people you think would find it interesting, because if we can get a really good reaction, it really surges in the algorithm, and does really well, then it's something that would make a whole lot of sense to continue doing, which... I really want to be able to because of what came out of this first episode imagine what could come um, in the future so super pumped about this so unique and I'm so excited that the proper people were able to help me make it happen and it really is um something I can't wait for you all to see next Thursday 6 p.m eastern, uh, eastern time September 21st be there or be square I am joined now by Josiah once again from Pondering Politics. How are you doing, sir? Doing well, Lucas, how are you? Just absolutely splendid. So much to get into, and actually, I just hit them all with a big announcement. So I will hand the mic to you for our first story.
3: Well, that big announcement was a positive thing. This story is gonna be a bit negative, so I hope I don't uh, chill your vibe there, Luke, but we're about to talk child poverty and how the Fox Propaganda Network is addressing it. So we got a clip to play, but before we jump into it, the situation is this, child poverty has doubled in the past year. And we're gonna provide some context for it, but I wanna bring your attention to this clip on the Fox propaganda network with Harris Faulkner, one of the most prominent Fox propagandists. Uh, So let's play the clip and then we will unpack it together.
4: From under eight to more than 12%, the child poverty rate, and this is one that really jumped out at me, has more than doubled during that same time not only is he wrong yeah. he's hurting people particularly children with his policies marie
0: well he's actually passed legislation to help reduce child poverty which most republicans voted against so we have to be honest about the facts here you can find lots of facts and figures on both sides here wages are outpacing inflation we have can, the low inflation with the children rate among for the just a second and, though
4: cuz they can't is, get jobs this, so this the wages don't matter pro- to the children who are now doubled numbers from what they were in poverty. And and it is lipstick on a pig if you tell me that you want to blame Republicans and anybody else, they vote against anybody it, Harris, with Biden. They
0: vote against legislation that helps children get out of poverty. That's just a fact. And so look, I will agree though, that there is still economic pain out there. And so the Biden team has as their job to make the case to the American people why these numbers that in many cases are good, not all, why they are better than what the alternative would be if Donald Trump is reelected why
3: So, luke before i turn it over to you i just want to provide some context the legislation in question is the child the enhanced child tax credit that was passed as a provision of the american rescue plan which was president biden and the democrats first major piece of legislation after president biden was inaugurated back in 2021 it cut child poverty in half took it from about 10 percent down to five and then at the end of 2021 it was supposed to be renewed but all 50 senate republicans and one conservative Democrat, Joe Manchin, failed to renew it. They blocked the provision from being renewed. And as a result, in 2022, it went from about 5% back up to 12 And in that context, Harris Faulkner is just disingenuously trying to blame President Biden for that. So with all that in mind, what do you think?
0: I've said lots of times to my audience that for some reason, and it helps me a lot doing this job, I have a default positive approach to a lot of stories that aren't positive. And that's why I can have a lighthearted tone in covering a lot of stories that actually have devastating ramifications when it comes to the current MAGA Republican Party and all the different things we talk about. On this, I can't feel anything other than Josiah. A whole lot of rage because she is on the network. She's on the network that's covering for day after day the party and telling the lies that helps the party get away with this that is to blame for that stat this isn't oh i'm just trying to help the person that i think is good politically and i'm just trying to be biased because of parsons this is factual information based on the child tax credit it's not a coincidence that these numbers shot up after it was failed to be renewed it cut child poverty in half And then because of Republicans and, as Josiah mentioned, a conservative Democrat, Joe Manchin, it was then allowed to end that enhanced child tax credit. And so to look at those facts and then on national TV mislead your viewers into thinking that getting Biden out of office would be the solution to something that if he had his way, we would not be seeing that spike because we would have the enhanced child tax credit. It's sick. And as my audience knows, normally I'm a happy guy who's pretty calm about most things. And this one drives me crazy because it's the peak of dishonesty, which we see all the time. What we don't always see is that peak of dishonesty being the reason for the very pain that is uh, the subject of the dishonesty.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's also also targeting the most vulnerable among us. Like the Republican Party obviously – especially its leaders. Obviously, that's who I'm talking about. But they have a predilection towards picking on already marginalized and vulnerable groups. This is America's children. And I covered the story on my channel, Pondering Politics, youtube.com slash at Pondering Politics, by the way, um, earlier today. And the thing that I, I got thinking about, it's like, it's not just affecting it would be bad enough, Luke, if this effort were just hurting children in blue states,  … or children of Democratic families, but it's not. What these 50 Senate Republicans and one conservative Democrat did was they also hurt the children in red states, the children of Republican families. It's hurting everybody. And it would be one thing if Harris Faulkner and other Fox propagandists wanted to blame Joe Manchin. Like if they really wanted to like slide in a dig at the Democratic Party they could at least take some of the blame and pin it on joe manchin because he did contribute to it but she has nothing to say about the republican party she says it's put like putting lipstick on a pig to point out the fact that 50 senate republicans prevented the president from renewing this enhanced child tax credit and it's hurting america's children so then it's like as we head into an election year is there really a choice if you're if you have children or if you have nieces and nephews or whatever, I mean, if you are considering the, the situation for the next generation, is this not like an even more clear-cut choice electorally than it was? Like, if you want
0: to support children, if you want to take children out of poverty, sounds like you should vote Democrat. Absolutely, and I've gone through this so many times, but I want to continue to, because sometimes we have these conversations about Democrats, Republicans, and forget to specify the policies that we're talking about. When Democrats had the White House, as they still do, but then a majority in the House and in Senate. This is what we got. American Rescue Plan, first major gun safety bill in decades, largest investment in green energy in history, pulling out of America's longest war, lowering prescription drug costs, Medicare being able to negotiate drug prices, capping the cost of insulin $35 out of pocket per month, raising the minimum wage for federal government workers, massive impact, Katanji Brown Jackson on the court, PACT Act, Chips and Science Act, once-in-a-generation infrastructure law including rebuilding roads and bridges, increasing access to clean, reliable drinking water, repairing airports, expanding broadband, investing in pasture rail and many other things. That is what we're supposed to get from our leaders. Those are the at least attempted solutions to actual problems being faced by people. What have we gotten from the GOP in recent memory that solves problems?
3: I was going to say now, Luke, to be fair, uh, under the Republicans, we got 50 miles of a useless border wall at the southern border. We did get a two trillion dollar tax cut for the uber rich that, by the way, and here's the other funny part, which ties in quite nicely to this story about the lack of enhanced child tax credit. Those same Republicans that blocked the enhanced child tax credit, which, again, cut child poverty in half, they want to renew the 2017 Trump tax cuts, which will cost the federal government $3.5 trillion. So that's the other thing, man. That's like they can't – they have no money in their pockets when it comes to lifting children out of poverty. But when it comes for the tax cuts for the uber-rich, oh, we can swipe
0: the credit card 100 percent. And then they turn around and say – It's socialism and tyrannical somehow for which is the type of language we heard about the American rescue plan where this enhanced uh, child tax credit was implemented or possibly before as well. I might be missing. There out. was
3: the the tax credit technically pre existed. Uh, it was actually in the Trump era COVID stimulus, which was again overwhelmingly bipartisan. President Biden enhanced the tax credit yeah. further. It was up to three hundred dollars per child under the American, under the American right, gotcha. and that is what cut child
0: poverty in half. Right, and so that was called socialist spending. That's horrible. We we're gonna go bankrupt, even though meantime Biden's able to be cutting the deficit, but then they have plenty of money in their pockets like you're talking about when it comes to further enriching their wealthy friends. We could go on forever, but any last thing before we go to the next story? No,
3: just other than, again, as we head into this election year, it's uh, for your people in your audience and people in my audience, but especially, the, we need to get this message out. Again, if you're thinking about the next generation, if you have children, if you want to have children, if, if finances are also a consideration, and they probably should be, This is another incentive to vote blue in the next election cycle. We have to expand the Democrats' majority in the Senate with moderate or ideally progressive Democrats, not conservative Democrats that would block this measure. we got to retake the House, and we got to reelect President Biden so we can renew the child tax credit and hopefully not just cut child poverty in half again
0: but even take it further. And a country – I'll close on this. A country as wealthy as the United States, if we managed – the way that we allocate our resources. Childhood poverty doesn't have to be a thing. That is a policy decision. We saw that with cutting it in half. What's to keep us from cutting it all the way down to zero? Moving on. Donald Trump did a truly bonkers interview with Megan Kelly. And one of the moments was him giving the whole game away. With this whole impeachment effort against President Biden over allegations, they are incapable of substantiating after months and months and months of investigating. And here, Josiah, Trump gets asked about the impeachment effort or the impeachment inquiry as it's currently being pushed by Kevin McCarthy and says, you know, if Democrats had impeached me, I bet they're not going to, they wouldn't have impeached Joe Biden. Oh, so it's not based on concerning facts about joe biden he's a criminal no it's retribution for an impeachment that they're still sour about take a look at this important and they did it to me and
2: had they not done it to me i think and nobody officially said this but i think had they not done it to me then i'm very popular in the you know they like me and i like them the republican party uh, perhaps you wouldn't have it being done to them. And this is going to happen with indictments too, they have fake indictments. And I think you're going to see that uh, as time goes by. You're going to see uh,
0: Republicans when they're in power doing it. And So if they hadn't done it to Trump, they probably wouldn't be doing it to Joe Biden, which I rarely say this, but Trump's correct about that. But the fact that he thinks that's an acceptable thing to say is pretty stunning because it is him exposing what we're saying Which is, this is just uh, an opportunity to both get revenge for Trump's justified impeachments and also muddy the waters in the minds of Americans about the significance of Trump's wrongdoing. Okay, yeah, I know there's some people saying that they don't necessarily have the evidence, but there's just a lot going on and Biden's being accused of a lot of things and he was also impeached, so maybe Trump's not as bad as I previously thought. That's the idea here. Trump gives it away
3: yeah so so obviously there's still a stigma associated with impeachment in the minds of many Americans as as well there should be and the idea was that it was reserved for high crimes and misdemeanors it was meant to be a tool of last resort against uh, a rogue officer of the United States government and as you said this kind of serves a couple of purposes number one it demonstrates that the Republican Party even though Donald Trump is not an official office holder you know he's not the president he's not in Congress he's not the speaker of the house or majority leader he still has an iron grip on the GOP. He is their de facto leader. It also, as you said, muddies the waters, because if this proceeds to a full impeachment or if they drag this out, they can say, well, it's two impeached presidents running against each other in 2024. And then, as you said, even if, even if there's obviously infinitely more substance to the two impeachments against donald trump those are also number one in the past right and america's you know we as a society have a very short-term memory so that works in trump's favor because biden's impeachment will be much more recent and it's just it's just an anchor around the president's uh, ankles which we do not need going into this next election season but you know what i'll say this at least he the, this pathologically lying malignant narcissist every now and then tells the truth (laughs) yeah and kevin but he tells the truth in a way that kevin mccarthy ironically and others absolutely won't do except when they're cornered in a certain way by the press what's your evidence for the for the impeachment inquiry well (sighs) how dare you It's, yeah, it's, it's more like a vibes thing. You know, it's like a, an impeachment inquiry is kind of like a constitutional vibe check, Luke. I don't know if
0: you know that, but
3: apparently that's what it is. We're bad
0: vibes and we're gonna find the impeachable offense in the impeachment inquiry, huh? Exactly. I do encourage everyone. I'm keeping this on my desk. Can't even see what it is, too bright. But 14 page document released by the White House, Ian Sam specifically, I went over and did a segment you can find on the YouTube channel if you want my analysis of it. It's the response from the White House to the impeachment allegations. Or the ones that they're basing this inquiry off of. And Ian Sams does a very nice job of breaking down here's what they're accusing Joe Biden of, here is why it's illegitimate and definitely not justifying an impeachment or impeachment inquiry. Uh, And that is what, as I said during my segment yesterday, you would do if you have facts on your side. Trump doesn't defend his uh, indictments by going through the allegations specifically and citing all the evidence as to why they're not legitimate. He just goes, it's political, uh, you know, persecution. It's a witch hunt.
3: Yeah. <laughs> There's no comprehensive point-by-point refutation that you expect, certainly not from Trump and arguably not even the Republican Party as a whole. But what's interesting is we're talking about this Megyn Kelly interview, and I don't know if you're ready to talk about another part of it, but yeah, I go. sure am. Yeah, so we're later on in that uh, interview, Megyn Kelly – and I'll say this. I, I do want to say before we play the clip, Megyn Kelly is – a partisan hack in the worst possible way, but she does again have her moments where she is a tough interviewer, okay? And she kind of asks a tough question for Donald Trump, particularly about Trump's association with Dr. Fauci. Now, those of us I would argue in the same middle or the same left, we have an appreciation for Dr. Fauci. He was a bipartisan public servant for decades under Republican and Democratic administrations, but he's reviled by the modern-day Republican Party. So with that in mind let's play this clip in which Megan kelly asks him about his relationship with dr fauci
4: fire anthony fauci uh, was because he'd been there for a long time that you would have taken heat that it would have created a firestorm quoting your words then for the first time well, in no, may
2: i also said i didn't listen to him too much i'm you know. getting
4: there but then in in may you started saying well he's a civil servant so i yeah. couldn't technically The truth is, though, not only did you not fire Fauci, who is loathed by many, many millions of Republicans in particular, but also some Democrats. By the way. You made him a star, you made him a star. This is the criticism of you, Mm -hmm. that you made him the face of the White House coronavirus task You think so? That he was out at every presser, that he was running herd for the administration on COVID, and that you actually gave him a presidential commendation before you left office. Wouldn't you like a do-over on that?
2: Uh, I don't know who gave him the commendation. I really don't know who
3: gave him the commendation. Presidential commendation.
4: One went off Mark. Somebody Lincoln, too. probably
3: I don't know who gave him the presidential con- <laughs> commendation. Well, well Luke, I'm, look to I, the I, first words, sir. <laughs> I was going to ask, remind me who who was president at the time?
0: <laughs> who was pre- was it Donald that guy? J Trump? Yeah. Oh. Uh that's the strangest denial of reality. You gave it. Well, and I love how he goes, did I? <laughs> about you made him the I face really? of the task force, did I? Which, for Trump, he's in this bizarrely impossible situation, which I don't uh, I don't care. It's fine that he has to be in the situation because it's he created his fault. It. Right. <laughs> yeah. But he has now allowed the conspiracies to run so wild that they're devouring things that he would, in a previous situation, want to take credit for. Like... Operation Warp Speed, which was part of why he gave that uh, honor to to Fauci and Now he has to both not admit that He was wrong because he wasn't on that he wasn't wrong to wherever he did take Fauci's advice or Even though he really didn't that often but on the correct steps he took he can't take credit for them but he also can't turn around and go yeah, the vaccine was a conspiracy to put a chip in your body to because then that's very bad as uh, to how it reflects on him. So then he gets this weird middle place where he'll say, "Well, Desantis liked Fauci, and I didn't like him, but I did everything right." So you think you think
3: I liked him, Ron? Desanctimonious meatball Ron liked him way more than I did, Meg. Mac- no, I mean it's so pathetic. He is. He's in this awkward position. I'm with you. I I have no sympathy for him because he created this. Like This attitude within the MAGA cult is either something he created or exacerbated. He had a responsibility to nip this in the bud both as the nation's chief executive at the time of the pandemic's outbreak but also as the leader of that party. And instead, he was almost like just – He couldn't make up his mind about what Fauci was to him. At times, Fauci was a friend who he publicly, publicly praised multiple times. And then, of course, the presidential uh, commendation, almost a condemnation. How can
0: you expect him to make good choice on that when he was too busy coming up with great new innovative solutions to COVID, such as injecting bleach? He was a busy guy at the time. Have you thought about chugging Drano? I hear it's (laughs) a really good way to stop
3: the virus and other things. Yeah, no, 100%. It's just, it is... As you said, it's all—it's ironic. The one good thing – I don't even know how much credit you can give Trump for this, but let's let's do the thing where we say that a good thing happens because of a presidential administration. Yeah. We give some association with the president itself. So let's say we give Donald Trump credit for Operation Warp Speed and the vaccine. That's the one good thing to come out of his administ- – the one enduring good thing to come out of his administration, and it did save millions upon millions of lives, thanks in large part. To President Biden's successful vaccination rollout in 2021, but Trump can't take credit for it. It's so it's it, if if not for the body count associated with it, hundreds of. I mean, was have we hit a million? I think we're over a million. Oh, way at this more, point, yeah. right? Yeah, it would be almost laughable if not for that body count that he created the situation where the one good thing, the crown jewel of his mm. administration, the one thing he didn't screw up
0: he screwed up. <laughs> he can't take and credit. And it's it. within the context of him messing up the broader response. So when people think of gosh, why were we so angry at Trump voters, that is, during COVID and we voted him out of office, it was because of that horrible response. But as we talked about previously, the the memory of the nation often tends to be short-term politically. And so Trump could if he took credit for everything, as a lot of presidents will do, he could go, ah, stop thinking about the bad things you remember about my response, injecting bleach, that was a joke, whatever, only remember that I was in the lab making the vaccine, I did that, and that could be a replacement memory for a lot of people as to how Trump fit into the picture of COVID, and instead, he can't answer to that, so it's a reminder of how irresponsible he was during that period of time, pretty stunning stuff. Staying on the subject of this wild interview that Donald Trump did with Megan Kelly that repeatedly went off the rails, uh, another moment that just baffles me time and time again in these interviews, Josiah, is, and I have an example of it here for you from this interview, but he's been doing it often where he'll incriminate himself further, and I saw someone saying, before these interviews, the interviewers need to g- give him the Miranda warning. <laughs> because he always says things that are so incriminating such as hey did you do this thing you're accused of this thing that would be crimes and he'll go I have the right to do whatever the heck I want which in my long legal career that I don't have um my knowledge as a non-lawyer not the best defense to just say oh yeah you're accusing me of that I did it but I can do it because I'm (laughs) the former president
3: I've, uh, I'm have i also not an attorney, um, but I have watched quite a bit of TV in my day, and I've seen many legal dramas, Law and Order, Boston Legal, The Practice, whatever. And I've never seen – I feel like if, if a defendant made that legal strategy, the episodes would be like five minutes long mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of 45 minutes. But then – it's also hilarious to think somebody standing by before every interview, like you said, and reading Donald Trump's Miranda rights. Can you imagine? I Listen, I know Miranda's. I've met so many Miranda's. You don't need to tell me anything. It's but somebody should do it. I, I guarantee you. Trump's attorneys probably
0: want something like, Mr., Mr. <laughs> Mr. President, you don't. You anything really you don't say cannon will be used against yeah. you. Uh did you rob this bank? I did, and I have the right to because of the Presidential <laughs> Records Act. Okay. He, he would, I feel like he would actually, that should be a I meme. Show this I feel. Clip. <laughs> We're talking all about the clip. I got to <laughs> show up first. Here it is, everybody.
2: Uh, we have a deranged guy named Jack Smith who's been overturned at the Supreme Court a number of times. And he gets overturned. You know why he gets overturned? Because he goes too far. They don't even mention the Presidential Records Act. This is all about the Presidential Records Act. I'm allowed to have these documents. I'm allowed to take these documents, classified or not classified. And frankly, when I have them, they become unclassified. People think you have to go through a ritual. You don't, it, at, at least in my opinion, you don't. Well, good, he-
0: if in your opinion, it's okay to rob banks, then you're good. Why are you even here? Leave the trial.
3: <laughs> he j- he really does think the, the PRA, the Presidential Retro- Records Act is just like a blank check. He really thinks oh, yeah and just totally. just for you know again as a reminder to the audience the presidential records act is not a blank check for a former officer of the united states even a former president to take national defense information or classified documents and keep them when the National Archives and the FBI request them back. The Presidential Records Act covers things of a personal nature. So if President Trump, when he was president, had like a a diary, I cannot even imagine, by the way, what that would read like, but let's just assume that he had a diary. Well, yes, then of course he can have copies of it and take it with him for his memoirs or whatever. We've seen previous presidents do that. That's the purpose of the Presidential Records Act. But the documents that Donald Trump had at Mar-a-Lago that he kept for more about two years when the National Archives and the FBI were trying to get them back those belong to we the people and the National he Archives are the yeah. custodian yeah are the custodians of those documents he mm-hmm. did not have a right to
0: keep them let alone show them off to other people <laughs> right and he just pulls us out of nowhere he wasn't president So a lot of what he's talking about, it doesn't apply because he's a former president and a former president doesn't have unilateral control over which documents of the U.S. government they hold on to. That's just not how that works. Um, And also, he's not being charged under the Presidential Records Act. So talking about that is so irrelevant because number one, it's not like even if you were saying, was he complying with the Presidential Records Act? He wasn't. But you can set that aside because that's not even what he's being charged in relation to. And also, even if everything he said about his right to have the documents, this, that, and the other thing, how do you answer for the obstruction? How do you answer for telling your lawyers to lie about not having the documents anymore? How do you answer for all those things that are also crimes um, and against the law? And so his only defense being, I did the thing, but I can do the thing. Not going to work so well for him is my prediction. Here's another uh, moment from this interview.
4: Do you believe that every CIA document that came to you as president was automatically yours to keep, no matter what? Uh, I'm not gonna
2: answer that question. Well, so because that's the dispute. No, no, because I think it's clear in the document. The Presidential Records Act was a very complex thing that took a long time to do, having to do more with Richard Nixon because he kept everything. You know, you know that, yeah, right? Yeah, yep. And they said, we don't wanna have this anymore. So they did this, and these thugs and deranged people, they didn't even mention that. They never mentioned that. They never talked about that. They never said, gee, the Presidential Records Act, do you know they don't even mention it? And everybody knows that I'm covered by that. So you can't have obstruction.
0: I've seen legal experts weigh in and say, this isn't even gonna be a, a valid argument he can bring forward. It's not even addressing The allegations against him. He's just making up a defense that isn't even attached to anything legitimate because, again, we don't even have to talk about the Presidential Records Act. But if we do, it explicitly talks about what you went through with the documents, such as the ones at issue, being property of the United States government. And for federal authorities to have requested time and time again and him not give them back and knowingly be trying to keep them out of the hands of federal authorities. It's just not something that you can say, well, presidential records act and get out of. Absurd. Well,
3: (laughs) so that clip might
0: be one of my favorites
3: of Trump because (laughs) I'm just trying to imagine him teaching like a history class or a politics. Uh, you know, Professor Trump. Can you explain the Presidential <laughs> Records Act? Listen, it uh, it, says it, you was do really, <laughs> it was just whatever it was just it was this really complex thing. It had to do with Richard Nixon. He kept everything, <laughs> and it's like it was just that was one sentence fragment after another, which explained absolutely nothing. And you could almost feel Megyn Kelly just like nodding politely, eyes wide, like, please, let's mm. get through this segment to the next question. Your... I don't know what that had to do about anything. That was just a series of non sequiturs. What did that have to do with anything? thing
0: (laughs) that's the story of trump's life um Mm -hmm. we will end on this for this segment hey you know how the argument (laughs) oh gosh you know the argument of trump being a victim of political persecution doesn't make sense because there's no evidence of this being political persecution and especially doesn't make sense because the evidence against him seems pretty damning and pretty good justifications for persecution well no need to fear because someone has endorsed Trump's idea that this is political persecution. And you're not going to want to disagree with him. Take a look.
2: Yesterday, President Putin of Russia used this as an example of what a rotten country we are, that they go after their political opponent. And other countries are doing that, too. Other countries that don't like us are doing that. They're saying it's the biggest story. They love it because it makes us look very bad. It makes us look very bad. And they're fake indictments. It's, Fanny Willis and all of these people, these are all fake and
0: die. I don't know if saying, hey, in this whole ordeal, I'm on the same side of history as Putin. I'm being defended by Putin. So that's why my argument's legitimate is necessarily the most compelling. No. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> like, man, you are scraping at the bottom of the
3: barrel at this point. Like Osama bin Laden's obviously not Answering the phone call for an endorsement, Hannibal Lecter, Darth Vader. I'm trying to think like <laughs> Vladimir Putin, the the world's equivalent, the real life equivalent of a supervillain, with the possible exception of Kim Jong Un. Like, I, I that you know what's interesting, Luke. Once mm. upon a time, imagine a counterfactual. Let's let's imagine George W. Bush or Mitt Romney or whoever, a previous leader of the Republican Party, ever saying something to the effect of, "Well, hey, Putin's got my back." That, you remember when that would have been immediately disqualifying? Oh,
0: yeah. And don't you love that he went... And other countries are saying it as well, but didn't list them. It was just Putin. Putin and everyone else who you would want to be endorsing me. Like you said, uh, Darth Vader also said that I'm being politically persecuted. And it's coming. Yeah, Putin has a great, uh, a great place to speak from with his record on political persecutions. He knows if something's unjust or not. All the people who have mysteriously... Uh, been killed <laughs> like he is the one who persecutes in the most vicious fashion so he's going to know if the United States is messing up on Donald Trump and one thing he said by the way is our enemies love this something the fact of it's embarrassing us and humiliating us on the national stage not the prosecutions Donald what you did that humiliated us it would be even more humiliating if you weren't held accountable for the things that you did The countries that we actually want to see leaders respect us from, (laughs) um, those leaders were horrified by Trump's attempts to overturn the 2020 election potentially unlawfully and just keep himself the president, do something that a dictator or a wannabe dictator does. That would have been and was humiliating. Accountability is not the humiliating part. You want to move on to our next story?
3: I do. So speaking of accountability, okay, we're about to talk about Hunter Biden, the civilian son of the current president, Joe Biden. As you all know, uh, recently there was a special counsel assigned to his case. It was David Weiss, the Trump appointed U.S. attorney. Well, now it's official. Hunter Biden is being indicted uh, for three crimes uh, related to the possession of a firearm and lying on a gun form. Okay, so, uh, Luke, I don't know if you have the article pulled up, but yeah, this is – This is the culmination of one of the many ongoing legal dramas pertaining to Hunter Biden. This investigation has been years in the making. But, yeah, so David Weiss, the Trump-appointed U.S. attorney, he's indicting Hunter Biden. Two counts are related to lying on a form uh, uh, related to a gun because he was uh, under – he was actually addicted to drugs at the time that he filled that form out. It's illegal to do so. And then the third form as well is that he possessed the firearm – while using a narcotic okay now this was just announced today um there's obviously no telling what will happen with this i'm sure hunter biden's going to fight it in court to the best of his ability but this to me and i think to any sane person undermines the argument coming from republicans that hey the the justice department has been weaponized can you believe luke that president biden has weaponized the justice department against his own
0: son it's 40 chess that's what i'm hearing right wing media the two-tier justice system as being shown by the doj is protecting hunter biden by putting a trump appointee as biden allowed to stay in his position of authority to oversee the case into hunter biden who would eventually get special counsel status extra authority to bring charges and then would eventually indict hunter biden so that hunter biden would be protected Um, Now, I read an interesting Atlanta uh, Atlantic article that talks about how some effect of, you know, Hunter Biden cashed in on his name, meaning he benefited from having the last name Biden. People thought, oh, wow, he probably has a lot of interesting connections. Of course, Uh, what they aren't able to substantiate, of course, is the link to Joe Biden doing something wrong, as we've covered extensively. But now he's seeing the downside of the prominent last name, and it walked through how, if you look at other situations with similar charges, Hunter Biden here is actually being treated worse than you would expect for these singular charges. Can I just say to this point to put some numbers
3: on this? 20, in 2019's great example, there were 27 million uh, background checks conducted pertaining to this particular form. About 450 were referred to the Justice Department. 450. Three digits out of 27 million and fewer than 300 were actually referred to the Justice Department for – like filed – like charges were filed. That's how rare these charges are brought, Okay, It is a fraction of a fraction of a fraction. And yet here we have Hunter Biden being the target of one. You could easily make the case that – and this is speculation, Mm -hmm. right? We'll see what happens as the trial unfolds. But it's easy to see that perhaps – political pressure motivated an indictment of Hunter Biden to try to make the case that the Justice Department isn't
0: politicized. And this is where, oh gosh, I could pull my hair out. This is where I understand it's hard to kind of figure out where do we stand on this? Because in a sense, it's admirable that, and I'm talking about Merrick Garland's decision to give David Weiss the additional special counsel status and also Biden leaving David Weiss in his position knowing that removing him would seem like he's trying to get rid of the guy prosecuting his son um, or overseeing the potential prosecution. But of course, Republicans never do that, anything like that. But then they bend over backwards. Both Biden and Merrick Garland nearly broke their back bending over backwards and then still get accused of the thing they're trying to avoid being accused of and then go, oh, sorry, you're accusing us of being politically uh, bias now we're going to go above and beyond needlessly so to prosecute him for this crime which fine he broke a law I don't care prosecute him great but if it's not in line with similar past prosecutions, it's a little strange and they're still going to be accused of political persecution oh, political bias sorry
3: Thank you. So there was a great and I think you and I have discussed this either in previous videos or in you know several of our like off-screen rants about politics. We've talked about this before, but The Washington Post several months ago had a great expose, a great deep dive where there again, there's a compelling case from officers in the FBI and the Justice Department, which says that President Biden's Justice Department slow walked uh, investigations into Donald Trump and his inner circle because they wanted to avoid the appearance of impropriety and they wanted to avoid the appearance of being politically biased and as others have pointed out people who are otherwise supporters of attorney general merrick garland when you that is a political consideration you are actually by to avoid it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy you want to avoid the appearance of impropriety you want to avoid the appearance of being politically motivated but then you make a political motivation It, it and the thing is like you said it earns them nothing they get mm-hmm. no credibility with maga no credibility with the republican party it's all for not and, and and it's so frustrating sorry
0: yeah and this the the core of one of the big hearings they held the IRS whistleblower one was to say that Merrick Garland was interfering with the Hunter Biden investigation on the part of David Weiss and David Weiss was being blocked from getting special counsel status or being able to bring charges where and when he wanted to. And he wrote a letter going, no, 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 all is well. Merrick Garland will give me what I want when I want it. And I have complete authority over this case. And they still proceeded saying this is another reason we have to impeach Joe Biden, even though, okay, Merrick Garland wasn't doing the thing. And they didn't prove a link between Merrick Garland and Biden on that. But still, okay, impeach Joe Biden. And then after that, he gets the special counsel status. No, that's, all, that's still to protect Hunter Biden. And then after that, we just got word that another FBI agent came out involved in this whole uh, thing and said, no, the whistleblowers were wrong. Uh, David Weiss had complete authority. So that right. entire narrative f- fell apart. But it was all centered around some interference, but also they said the investigation was being slow walked into Hunter Biden. again not making a strong case for it, but we have a very strong case for Trump's prosecutions being slow walked and they don't care and still Trump's the big victim in this situation. And it really is discouraging for what it means about future situations where I want to kind of give people the benefit of the doubt on the right and try to go above and beyond to prove that really not letting partisanship blind us because it doesn't matter. They're going to say we're blinded by partisanship, partisanship no matter what.
3: Right. And so and that and that's the thing. That's why so many people and, you know, Luke, I know we don't necessarily agree on everything and I'm not sure where you fall on this, but I am of the opinion. I I do echo the sentiments of um, all kinds of progressive commentators and former uh, DOJ uh, prosecutors, career prosecutors, people like Glenn Kirshner and others, you know, who have made the case that Merrick Garland should not have given in the case of, you know, investigating. Uh, Donald Trump and his inner circle or the situation with the National Archives and the FBI with respect to the classified documents, you could easily make the argument that they did make a mistake by giving an undue grace to Donald Trump and members of his inner circle, grace that, number one, would never be reciprocated if the shoe was on the other foot, if it was Bill Barr or anybody else or a Trump DOJ, but also that it actually, in a roundabout way, encouraged Trump to believe that he's above the law. Because, hey, look, I have the, all these classified or national documents, and the National Archives and the FBI are going to bargain with me for two years, mm. or the the DOJ is going to like slow walk, say, guys, please don't investigate Trump in his inner circle. we got we got we got avoid the appearance of political bias. You know, perhaps going on in the future, even at the risk of upsetting people, perhaps we should be ruthlessly nonpartisan. In the application of the law and even if it gives the appearance of political bias if the facts are there like like attorney general garland says you should follow the facts without fear or favor you could easily make the argument that he didn't live up to his own standard perhaps moving forward
0: we should do that and i think i actually respect i we've talked about this i'm a little bit more if you want to put on a spectrum moderate on how aggressively and mirroring Republican actions Democrats should go. I do want them to be more aggressive, but maybe not as far as you would go on some things. I think a lot of it also comes down to messaging, even if all the actions were the same. I don't think the slow walking was appropriate and stuff like that. But with the way that clearly the Biden DOJ, as they call it, or Merrick Garland's leadership uh, with the DOJ has bent over backwards to try to not appear or be politically biased and in so doing bent themselves into being sort of politically biased to help Trump. But ultimately, the right decision was made. But at least the surrogates of the Democratic Party and Biden should aggressively pound the messages that we do here because Trump does this weird, I'm going to hypnotize my followers, election interference, election interference, election interference, election interference, over and over and over and over. I'm the victim. I'm the victim. I'm the victim. (laughs) And People start believing it, and then random people outside of that bubble start believing it. Listen, I know Trump's not great, but it seems like political election interference, sort of, that, you know, because Biden's the president and Trump's being held accountable under the law. I don't know. And that type of messaging for an honest message should be as aggressive as the dishonest message.
3: Well said. I think at a bare minimum, at a bare minimum, that has to be. That has to be BMO for Democrats and progressives and their surrogates in the media, both in the mainstream media and in the alternate media uh, such as us. We have to pursue that. It's like, listen, if anything, you are being treated with kid gloves in a way. Merrick Garland is treating Donald Trump and Republicans with more charity, quite frankly, than he's treating his own boss, his boss's son and Democrats in general right now. President Biden is still technically under special counsel investigation mm. for classified documents. You have Hunter Biden being investigated uh, by special counsel under classified documents. There are more Bidens being
0: investigated under Biden's DOJ than Trump's. And why Why did David Weiss need special counsel status to bring gun charges that aren't even – I'm fine again with him being legally held accountable. Let's do it. Hooray. I'm just saying based on, like I said, past examples that are similar – That's a whole lot of work for some lying on a federal form charges. (laughs) Goodness. But we got to move on. Uh, Let's go ahead for the sake of time, just so we get to it, and jump to your story about Rhonda Sanctus. Oh, okay.
3: Ron DeSantis had um, – he's had many, I would say, inhuman moments, I think it's fair to say, on, on screen, uh, usually around other people. This is a different kind of inhuman. He's usually had these awkward moments where it indicates that he's never engaged with another human socially before. And then he has moments that almost come off sociopathic. And so I want to play this clip uh, from an interview that Ron DeSantis had uh, on Sean Hannity's show. And he's basically giving Luke his new border patrol policy. Brace yourselves. We're using lethal force against the. We're using lethal force against the cartels. If they're bringing fentanyl in, breaking into our country,
0: uh, we're going to leave them stone cold
3: dead at the border. Trust me,
2: they will get the message.
0: We will leave them stone cold dead, he says. Anyone who is in the middle on this subject. Stick around. Let us talk about why that is disastrous. He is calling for extrajudicial killing at the border. No due process, no trial, no charges being filed. Not even exactly knowing did we get the right person? Was this just someone coming over to work or were they a part of the cartel? And then killing them We'll find, you know, we'll shoot first, ask questions later.
3: That, that's the, so here's the thing. Listen, I understand that this is, I mean, clearly based on the applause, this is going to resonate. This sentiment is going to resonate uncritically with a lot of people. And listen, there is a humanitarian crisis to one extent or another at the southern border. We are experiencing a flood of illicit drugs. There's no question about that. And people are being hurt here in the United States. But that's not an excuse.  … … for the executive branch or Border Patrol or any you know, law enforcement authority to suspend civil rights, to commit extrajudicial murder. And as you say, it's, it, it presupposes a lie, which is that Border Patrol or whoever, whatever law enforcement branch that DeSantis intends to shoot the guns will be unerring in their judgment. And with all due respect to the best of law enforcement  that they don't have unerring judgment nobody does and it's just it's it is it I, I don't even know where to begin because it, it's such a sociopathic utterance coming from somebody who wants to be the nation's chief executive and it's also deeply unserious like can mm. you can you imagine what the legal challenges would be for this what this would do? to relations between the United States and Mexico, which is one of our biggest trade partners. It's just, and then to say nothing of the lives lost. Like, what? Where I don't even know where to begin with this. This is just such a deeply unserious sentiment to come from somebody who wants to be the
0: president of the United States. Unserious is a good word for it. Cause yeah, of course this will be distorted. Anyone who says what he's saying is outrageous will say, oh, so you want the fentanyl who's killing people? Of course not. The way that you address that number one is not by that and number two as we just mentioned even if you had the stance for some reason that the charges if you had due process should lead to the death penalty which obviously i'm against the death penalty but even if you had that stance you don't even know as you're talking about judgment if you're correctly assessing who's who and they haven't had their due process and given DeSantis' history that's sort of murky when it comes to, I think it was Guantanamo, right? It was. And his service and his participation in some uh, allegedly inhumane acts. It makes some sense that this would be his stance. But it's also in line with other things he said. During the hurricane, you might remember, he referenced signs that said, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. We should not, do not loot. I don't downplay the... Uh, act of looting you should be held accountable legally you think the punishment for looting you should be death now I, to be fair a lot of people pulled that out of context he was referencing what other people might do but obviously was sort of rooting it on it is that authoritarian stance on how we should handle these issues if i feel uh or if i want to address a particular problem quickly it's just going to be too Kill people,
3: kill it. Yeah, kill it. I mean, that that's that is the authoritarian's textbook. Mm. Like that's their go to solution for every problem. Just shoot it or stab it or just kill it in some way. Cause it physical harm. I mean, it's also commensurate.  … … with other aspects of his purported foreign policy because he and, and other Republicans, uh, it's not just Ron DeSantis, have endorsed, if need be, invading Mexico or attacking Mexico, effectively declaring war on Mexico, they say in pursuit of <laughs> getting the southern border under control. Deeply unserious, which – and I should say, and I'm sure you feel this way, Luke, but I know I, I'll, I'll, I'll speak for myself here. When we say unserious – we you should take it seriously like it's it's still dangerous coming from a yes. man of that position and power and influence it's not something that you should brush aside mm. but it's it's just a an uncritical unserious position for the world's foremost power to have yeah.
0: as a matter of foreign policy it's not the utterance of the proposal of a serious governing individual who intends on trying to be an effective leader, um, an effective president, which is the slogan for the modern Republican Party, a whole lot of words. And those words can have dangerous implications. And then trying to follow through on the promises of those words can lead to devastating actions, as we're seeing but not a serious governing party whatsoever. Thus problems don't actually get solved. Uh, It just creates more problems. It just creates more problems. And on the border, I will say once again, we could be having a meaningful conversation about a complex issue and try to come up with and then implement somewhat complex solutions to the broader issue of the logistical and humanitarian problems we have with our Southern border. so many different things contribute to that one of them being the situation in the countries where people are migrating from. And these things are complex, a lot of uh, smart people need to weigh in on how to properly implement different solutions. And there are proposals that are very good as to how we enhance our legal immigration system. And of course, secure border and coordinate with other countries. None of those conversations happen. When you have as you said, sociopathic proposals of, well, what if just when people came across, we just started shooting all of them? What about that? That completely gets right. us away from a meaningful conversation.
3: No, 100%. Like why, why go through the effort of trying to tackle the problem in good faith, which by the way, would require Congress. It's not just yeah. something that the president can do unilaterally. This is... Our immigration system—not just at the southern border, but in general—I mean, people have criticized there are all sorts of issues with the United States immigration policy, and has been for decades. By the way, it will take a a functioning, good faith Congress, a House of Representatives that's interested in more than just investigating Joe Biden's grandson or third cousin twice removed. You know, past a certain point, it's going to require a functioning Senate as well. And Ron DeSantis is like, ah, ah that's that's nerd that's for nerds <laughs> instead why don't we just shoot mm. the problem and that that right there is another one of the many disqualifications as far as i'm concerned i'm sure for many others as well that ron DeSantis is not up for the job
0: and it's conditioning one of the things i want to mention previously even when we use the term unserious sometimes we know they won't fall through or we are just pointing out the lack of seriousness when it comes to the intention of governing effectively. But one of the dangerous things about just the rhetoric purely by itself is it conditions the followers to demand more and more extreme things out of their leaders. And that's what we've seen because that audience, did it go silent and shots to the faces were what? No. Yeah. And apparently that was one of the biggest cheers that was given to Ron DeSantis. It's the first time he's heard applause probably in weeks. (laughs) Right. You know? And that's why he said it again, because he got a huge cheer at the debate when he used that same stone called dead. And so it also conditions the supporters of these individuals to demand more stuff like that. Frightening. Moving on, Mitt Romney, the Republican senator and rare moderate Republican in this modern era. He... Is now deciding that he's done he's done with his party it's gone too far and he's going to retire which i was talking with someone last night or a few nights ago about just the state of the modern republican party and how it's the the kind of maga brand that is now controlling so much of the party is pushing out any even somewhat moderate members somewhat more reasonable members so that it's just that maga part of the party eventually and we've seen that with cheney gone Kinsinger kinzinger gone here Romney, and uh and we're seeing this in the presidential race one of the again far from us as i've said so many times politically and on policy and so many things wrong with their policy stances but have some reason chris christie's gonna lose very significantly in that primary and so they're shoving out any more reasonable parts of the party okay well now As a part of kind of his exit, there's a book coming out. And in this book, different quotes from Mitt Romney are highlighted, such as, quote, a very large portion of my party really doesn't believe in the Constitution. True. And he got asked about that particular statement in this clip. Take a look.
2: You had said just that a lot of your party simply does not believe in the Constitution. What do you mean by
1: that? Well, the, the, uh, <laughs> there, were, I, I was in a rally uh, where someone said to me, uh, you know, if you're elected, this is when I was running for Senate last time, if uh, if you're elected, will you close down ABC, NBC, and CBS? Because they're not sending out the truth. And this was in a Republican rally. And I was like, really? I mean, there's no question. There's no question there's some portion of, of my party and the opposition party who thinks... We need to have a a strong person, a strong man, to to put aside the Constitution. For that matter, President Trump, former President Trump, said we should put aside the Constitution and reinstall him as president. I mean, so yeah, there are some people who believe that. I believe they're sorely wrong. I believe the great majority of American people believe that they're wrong. But, um, uh, and and in terms of what I'm going to be doing, look, I want to get more young people voting and involved in the political process, and that's something I'm going to devote myself to after the next year and a half. When
0: I- yeah, it is wild that that statement, number one, has to be uttered. But number two, when it is, is the remarkable moderate. It should be a given that if the guy who was president before this one tried to overthrow our democratic process and just say, Yeah, you know that whole election thing we have? I'll just stay in the White House through all these different means we've talked about extensively, the fraudulent slate of electors, Mike Pence unilaterally rejecting the results of the election, et cetera. And that should be something that every single member of both parties and independents and everyone is able to condemn. But instead, you either get, no, the election was stolen from some of the MAGAs, or you get, listen, I'm not gonna talk about what's behind us. Let's talk about what's ahead of us. And occasionally you get, that's unconstitutional. Hey, also, when Trump called for the termination of the Constitution, that's also unconstitutional. But that reason, that uh, ability for him to just check one basic box for an elected leader is why he's getting pushed out.
3: Yeah, it's funny to think that, you know, Mitt Romney isn't just a lifelong conservative, not just a lifelong Republican. He was once the leader of this very party, the party that now regards him as a pariah. You know, in, in the aftermath of all these comments, by the way, people like Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz, people who uh, Mitt Romney makes very clear in this article in The Atlantic and, and in many of his comments that he has no respect for these people anymore because he knows they're intelligent. And yet they're going along with these radically unconstitutional perspectives coming from Donald Trump just cynically. Um, he's now a pariah to these people but a decade ago he was the leader of this party he was in Donald Trump's position he was the presidential contender and now he is a joke as far as they're concerned and I don't know to what extent Mitt Romney serves as a break check on the radicalization of the GOP I obviously he's not much of one in terms of like he's not course correcting them single-handedly but, I think the GOP will absolutely be worse off by his absence in january twenty twenty five when he, you know, completes the remainder of his term because listen, we still disagree on policy. You're right, But that's going to be one less statesman in the GOP. yeah, you know, and I also got thinking about it too, Luke. like i I think this is part of the reason why, mitch mcconnell who by the way is infinitely worse than mitt romney i'm not trying to put mitt romney and mitch mcconnell on on a moral footing but i think it's part of the reason given all the stuff going on with mitch mcconnell why i think he is so determined like he said that he's not going to resign anytime soon and he hasn't mentioned whether or not he'll run for re-election because i think he he was also trying to get the gop past the trump era Mm. but i don't think I, i think the trump era is going to extend beyond what Mitt Romney and Mitch McConnell and others are, you know, willing to
0: stay with the party for. And just, I know you made this stipulation, but let me just quickly say, Mitch McConnell is part of the reason that Trump controls his party and currently won't uh, commit to not supporting Trump. He says he will support Trump if he's the nominee, whereas Mitt Romney from pretty early on was willing to call out Donald Trump. So very different there, but yeah, I get the point for sure. Individuals who dedicated even if the reason they uh, wanted to fight for these issues and the particular issues they were fighting for are so far from our values, they at least had some buy into the idea of wanting the Republican party to be something and whatever that was, they're seeing evaporating. And so I do think someone like uh, Mitch McConnell is thinking, gosh, I don't, it's all for nothing now. I mean, Trump is going to define this party, which again, in the case of Mitch McConnell, That's on you, in part. He
3: aided and abetted. You're right. He is morally culpable to some extent, just like Kevin McCarthy is, uh, in ways that Mitt Romney is not. uh, That's 100% true.
0: Yeah, and one of the things you referenced but I wanted to mention from this reporting was the fact that he says he's able to work with Ron Johnson, because Ron Johnson seems authentically dumber than a doorknob <laughs> not really i mean that's not the language that was used but he's willing to buy into any conspiracy theory and seems to genuinely believe this stuff and he can work with that even if it's wild he really can't stand the ted cruises the josh the hollies, josh hollies. Yeah. because they are performing and that's what we see you can tell i agree even though i think there also is a lot of dishonesty with people like tommy tupperville and ron johnson <laughs> i do think they genuinely have a little trouble uh understanding a lot of stuff when it comes to these different conspiracy theories they're buying into and the different policies they're pushing for, even though there's also dishonesty. But with Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, they get it. They know they're smart people. Very smart. Dangerously. And choose, dangerously.
3: Yeah. Yes.
0: Like Tucker Carlson and some of these individuals, they choose the path of dishonesty and the path of dangerous views. And both groups of people are responsible for the actions and should be judged accordingly. But one of them seems more malicious and uh even lower character
3: 100 i'm i don't know about you but i'm actually excited for this book i can't oh yeah i can't wait to read it the the atlantic article is replete with some great quotes from romney um did you you see the one about mike pence where he talks about it's 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 a it's a it's a beautifully incisive quote about the issues with mike pence because something to the effect of romney says this that there is no ungodly cause that mike pence won't ascribe to the will of god wow. basically pointing out the difference between mike pence's you know purported religious values but the political behavior that he's willing to tolerate for the pursuit of power it, it's just a really interesting quote um and then it makes you wonder luke this is my hope given that Mitt romney is publicly throwing in the towel he's just going to ride out the rest of his term do you think there's a possibility that this might make him more inclined to cooperate with President Biden and Democrats against MAGA Republicans because he doesn't have to worry about reelection or really even pleasing his base? You know, they can't recall him. You know, he'll serve out the rest of his term. Maybe he's free to actually make a more aggressive effort for democracy against uh, you know, what's
0: coming in 2024. What do you think? Do you think that's possible? I think it's definitely more likely, and you will have, I have no doubt, if Trump's the nominee, as it seems to be very likely, uh, that you're going to have a pretty large swath of former, very prominent Republicans willing to come out and say, Biden's your guy. And I, <laughs> we talked before, we're starting to record today, about how some of this can be enraging and hopeless. And I do want to at least give a little bit of time to acknowledge what a devastating moment we're in right now. And we're gonna get through it, I do believe. I don't know where Josiah stands on that. And I am a very optimistic person. And I do have a lot of fun talking about and engaging with politics and these things matter. And it's also freaky that we're losing another, not, oh, amazing lawmaker who we would love to, you know, make decisions on every single policy, but one emblem of a more functioning time and with all of its issues and a battle between for example Obama and uh, Mitt Romney big differences and those matter and it's not to downplay the significance of policy but once we understand what it can be which is what it is now where something so much more detrimental is possible where it's not just gosh someone who has a basic respect for democracy and will accept the results and all that is going to have to govern for a while it's going to be aggravating they're not going to do things as progressive as we want or whatever it's so beyond that and the fact that we had at least some people like mitt romney who within the beast could call out the beast within the monster could call it out and that's going away and it's a similar way i felt about liz cheney and, and kinzinger um where it's not to I always have to say this because people get so upset in the comments when you don't. I do mean this, but y'all got to just calm down. It's not to gloss over or ignore their past on incorrect decisions and policies and rhetoric, but to acknowledge the difference between a Kinsinger, Cheney, and Romney and the MAGA Republican GOP. And pretty soon it's just going to be the GOP. Yeah, yeah, the 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 MAGA Republicans
3: it's, it's you know, But at the rate it's currently going, the current trajectory, it's just going to be the Republicans. We can just drop, you know, the the MAGA qualifier. Yeah. So I'm hoping that there's an opportunity here for the remainder of Mitt Romney's term. Um, Again, we need as much legislative and statesman support as we can get. Um, I'm sure, you know, President Biden and the Democrats – either knew about this in advance because they're better connected or when they read this in the papers they were like hmm maybe there's some opportunity here to shore up democracy safeguards now that again Mitt Romney doesn't have to worry about pleasing his peers and pleasing um, whatever MAGA constituents um, you know comprise his his voters Um, but yeah this is uh, in a roundabout way and I never thought I would it that I would ever get to a point where I could see myself missing Mitt Romney. <laughs> and
0: yeah, here we are. Here we are. And he's the not even gone yet. He's not wild even gone. Things. Yeah. Right. And last thing I'll say cuz I still have so many people in my life who don't grasp this. We're in a moment where the guy who's going to be likely the nominee of one of the two major parties we have and is polling neck and neck with who he's likely going to go against attempted to overthrow our democracy. And if you don't believe it, go read the indictments and understand the ways in which he was trying to do so it would have been what he would have done if he was allowed to and if he was successful in these uh, elector schemes, pints, local officials doing all sorts of wild things, finding me 11,780 votes, all the different things would be choosing to keep himself the president despite the election results, which is not how democracy works. And that would be the end of American democracy, at least for the time being. That is not something that you can look at and go, uh. Yeah, but the economy, though. By the way, the economy performs better under Democrats, including the unbelievable economic recovery under Joe Biden. But even so, any other issue, as I will continue to say, can't be grappled with within our democratic process if we don't have a democratic process, and that's what Donald <laughs> Trump threatens. If you're going to
3: be a single issue voter, democracy should it, be the <laughs> single issue. Right. Just saying,
0: yeah. Totally. We will wrap it up there. Thank you all. Always such a pleasure being with you, Josiah. Hit them with your channel. Likewise. Likewise, Lucas. Again, folks,
3: I appreciate uh, the opportunity here to chat politics uh, with you all and Luke. You can find me at youtube.com slash at pondering politics, one word.
0: I would appreciate a like and subscribe come my way. And I am getting reports in my earpiece of an explosion over on the pondering politics channel so get on that wave before you yeah. i don't know before something get on it before it ends it won't end though let's so just accelerate get
3: it. it let's make it a yeah. tsunami there we go. make it let's a tsunami. make it a a pondering politics tsunami i would sincerely appreciate that there we go